Okay, good morning, everybody. Thank you for being here this morning. Thank you for coming here. Um, if you're online, welcome to you. Hello, my name is Lorraine, and I'm one of the preaching team here this, at Sutton Vineyard. Um, the talk this morning is entitled, Are We Ready? So let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your great love for us. We thank you that we stand here uh, on Pentecost Sunday, some of us um, remembering that this is the day where your Holy Spirit was poured out for the first time on Jesus' followers. And Lord, we pray for an outpouring of your Spirit this morning once again. Amen. So when our friends told us that they were moving, we thought, well, this is exciting. This is a new adventure for them. Uh, and we were even more excited when they told us that they were moving to Papua New Guinea. This was a bit interesting. Um, they have a real sense of adventure, um, and they were following God's call, and they were basically saying the next yes to God. They work for MAF, which is Missionary, Missionary Aviation Fellowship, who fly teeny tiny planes all around Papua New Guinea, and they take like medical supplies and educational supplies to people and communities that need it. I was also watching uh, this program recently, Ben Fogel, Return to the Wild, love these sorts of things. And um, he was meeting some people he'd met five years before. So he was um, meeting this um, couple um, of nomads who had been walking around the world. And he revisited them and found out that the chap had fallen ill since um, he had seen them. And he'd actually been so ill that he was given only a 2.5% chance of survival. He was offered different medication, but he didn't want to take the meds, he didn't want to be on kidney dialysis for the rest of his life, so he said no, and miraculously, this guy survived. And so he meets with him, his name was Peter, and he said this, he said, the worst thing I can do for myself is waste time, as I might not have it. And I've been thinking about how our lives are so busy, and we're busy focused on what's happening right now, and often we're in survival mode, which is, you know, there's nothing bad about that. Sometimes it's necessary, but I thought it'd be good this morning to have the opportunity to think about what's important and kind of be a bit intentional. <clears throat> what we'd like work and kids and football and scouts and cricket and swimming and drama and you kind of get carried along on life uh, the sort of like river of life and you get swept along it feels sometimes without a paddle but then someone loses their job or like a medical condition rears its head and your perspective kind of changes one of my favorite people in the world, um, a lady called Chloe, she quoted, I think, um, from a 60s musical. She, I don't think she realized it was this. And she said to me a few times, she says, stop the world, I want to get off. And I quite like that quote. Um, and it's actually, the musical is about the fleeting nature of worldly success. Or an even better quote from my daughter, who's five. She says, mummy, I don't think the world ever stops. It just keeps on swirling around and around and around. And I think maybe some of us feel like that too sometimes. The rhythm of life runs our life, not Jesus or his calling. And perhaps we can just stop running for just a moment or swimming or paddling at top speed and take a moment to gain a bit of perspective. So that's the problem. Life is kind of a bit too much and we get swept along, don't we? And if we live like this and we don't actually get to pursue the things that we want to do, and then for some, it kind of is too late. Age, illness, or work. So how can we avoid this? 
So today, we're going to think about how to be wiser. And how to be wiser? Well, we're going to read from Matthew 25, and it's the parable of the bridesmaids. So let's go. Matthew 25. Jesus teaches this parable. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The five who were foolish didn't take enough olive oil for their lamps, but the other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. When the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, they were roused by the shout, Look, the bridegroom is coming! Come out and meet him! All the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. Then the five foolish ones asked the others, Please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, We don't have enough for all of us. Go to a shop and buy some for yourselves. But while they were gone to buy oil, the bridegroom came. Then those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was locked. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, believe me, I don't know you. So you too, Jesus says, must keep watch, for you do not know the day or hour of my return. So Jesus is providing some very profound um, messages here with this imagery of a wedding. Now, We went to a wedding recently. It was awesome. It was a time of celebration and joy, a lot of rain, a lot of dancing, a lot of laughter. Um, The groom didn't turn up in the middle of the night to surprise his bride for the special occasion, or maybe. Um, And the bridal party didn't like wave their phone torches to light the way for them. So what is going on here in our wedding that we're looking at now? Well, there were three stages to a wedding in first century Palestine. Um, The first and second one were done. They were the kind of engagement by the fathers and the sort of betrothal, so the promises. They had already happened. So that was about a year ago. And then we have the marriage ceremony itself. The bridegroom and his friends, they would leave the house and they would journey to the place of celebration or the bride's house. And the bridesmaids, the young unmarried women, would stand about a meter apart and light the way for them. And then they would all go in together. So the torch was the only light in the darkness, so it obviously needed enough oil to keep burning. The word that's used here is lampus, which is kind of, if you can imagine, like an outdoor torch, like a bundle of sticks dipped in oil. So it needed extra oil because it went out quite quickly, and so it needed lots of dipping. So Jesus is saying here, be ready. In our story, in the parable, the bridegroom is Jesus. Um, He's already referred to himself as like a bridegroom in Matthew 9, 15. And the followers are to be, his followers are to be like wise, like the bridesmaids. Thoughtful, well-prepared. But while they were gone to buy oil, the bridegroom came. Then those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was locked. So these processional torches were like the only light And so without the oil, they were pretty useless. And the bridegroom is not very pleased with the other bridesmaids because he says, later when the others returned, the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. And he says this, believe me, I don't know you. The oil is the surface meaning, if you like, in our parable. So Jesus is really talking about being ready 
the bridesmaids were alike in every single way, apart from how well they were prepared. The word foolish in here, the foolish um, bridesmaids, is the word moros, where we get the word moron. And earlier in Matthew, he is teaching, uh, Jesus is teaching about the wise, the moronic builders, yeah, and the foolish builders. You can check it out. It's earlier in Matthew. So in this story and both of the stories, the wise ones who the wise ones were the ones who heard and then did it. They obeyed. I really like the Greek meaning of this word here. It's very practical um, rather than kind of like pensive and reflective. So why, let's just step back a sec, why is Jesus telling these parables? Well, just before in chapter 24, so we're in chapter 25 of Matthew, at the beginning of chapter 24, Jesus' disciples ask him two questions. Later, Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives. His disciples came to him privately and said, tell us, when will all this happen? What sign will signal your return and the end of the world? The this that they're referring to is the destruction of the temple walls. So this is quite a big idea because the temple was the focal point of Judaism, the focal point of monotheism, and he's talking about the, the destruction of that. And then thus begins some chapters on the end times or the end days where Jesus is going to return. It's for the second time, his second coming. So that's the context, and we've got some kind of clues to its meaning. Um, there are four parables, actually, and our one is, is inserted in here. There are four parables about being about the master who goes away, and kind of it's about what the servants do or don't do in, in his absence. We've got the parable of the wise and the faithful servants. That's in Matthew 24 as well. Then we've got 25, which is our one, about the bridesmaids. Then we have a third one, which is called the parable of the talents, but it's not really about like skills and talents, because a talent was a large sum of money or gold. And finally, we have the parable of the sheep and the goats. And that's, again, about how people behave when, when um, Jesus, the master, is absent. So I've entitled today, Are We Ready? Well, I guess the question is, well, ready for what, Lorraine? <laughs> Are we ready? Well, what does it mean to be ready? Jesus wasn't talking about kind of filling up your oil in your lamps. I think, perhaps, the parable of the bridesmaids helps us to see and be ready to receive Jesus when he comes. I'm going to talk today about three things, being aware, listening, and being prepared. Because the time is short. The bridegroom is coming. The parable of the bridesmaids tries to show us the relationship between the future expectations and what's going on right now. And if we're unprepared, we won't see him. We'll be kind of like groping around in the dark and distracted by the current of life that keeps us undeniably busy. This parable points to a future beyond this now. And when we become aware of that, maybe we would look at life a little bit differently. Because as I said earlier, when circumstances change and life and its expectancy doesn't seem so certain, our perspectives most certainly shift. Now, I love a good nap, but chance to be a fine thing. I've got three children. That doesn't really happen. Um, when the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. The better definition would be they nodded off and were sound asleep. The wise ones had prepared themselves. They had the oil um, with them just in case he was gone ages. 
They didn't notice it was coming back. They were ready and they were prepared. So what can we say? Can we really live life to the full now with this kind of like awareness of the future? You see, our perspectives now can be shaped by this future glory that is to come. This is like the hope that we live by every day. And we're reminded that we are not defined by the circumstances that we find ourselves in right now. We are God's treasured children. This is awesome news. We will see Jesus when he reigns fully over his kingdom. And we will live with him in heaven after this life is done. But you know what? This is not about eternity, this talk. If you want to have a good listen to a talk on heaven and hell, Steve did one in February, go and listen. Today, the talk is about now, today. We're going to think about how we can train our hearts and our minds on eternal things, not on my to-do lists like dentist appointments and the dishwasher. Now, don't get me wrong. I think dental hygiene is very important. I have terrible teeth, 16 fillings, and I really hope that my teeth and eternity are much better. Well, we have teeth in heaven. That is not the topic we're talking about now. But, you know, how about we set our hearts on some other priorities? The founder of the Vineyard Movement, his name was John Wimber, he said, if you want to know about your priorities, then you should have a look at someone's diary or their bank balance, RIP checkbooks. And I tell you what, my family are my priority. I love them. They're my priority over work. But in February half term, I went away for the first time in their living memory. Like, mummy left for a week. My, my husband coped amazingly well. Woohoo! And... My year 11s, so I'm a religious studies teacher, I teach at a local comprehensive school, um, and my year 11s were quite surprised to learn I like trance music. I was like playing on the bus, and they were like, right, after 20 hours on a bus, you know, you'll listen to anything. Um, now, this isn't my number one choice when I'm on my own, but I've grown to love this type of music because my husband loves this music, and I love what he loves. And when we love Jesus, we grow to love the things that he loves, the things that he prioritizes, we start to prioritize. And Jesus loved people. Jesus loves people. And he loves us, and he loves it when we pursue good things. So you think, well, what did Jesus set his heart on? If you look at the Gospels, the stories about Jesus' life, he prioritized loving God, loving other people, seeking God's kingdom, and righteousness and justice over 400 times in the Bible. It talks about God's righteousness. The Lord loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of his unfailing love. And a little bit later in a few Psalms, your righteousness is like the mighty mountains, your justice like the ocean depths. The Lord is righteous. So the Hebrew meaning of the word righteous means like a kind of fixed standard to measure things against. And so God's righteousness is the standard set by him of the way that the world should be. And Paul, in the New Testament, encourages his younger brother, Christian brother, Timothy, to pursue righteousness in both of his letters. It's really important. So righteousness means seeking being right with God, myself and other people, and God's creation, and then doing things which are right or pursuing righteousness. 
So after we can be focused on um, being right with God and right with others, we then can be focused on doing what is right. That means speaking the truth. That means delighting in God's words. It means walking with integrity. It means being generous. It means loving God. And if you're not sure and you want some tips, go to Psalm 15. It has lots of very helpful ideas. But we are a work in progress. God is consistently making us more righteous through his grace, his undeserved love. This just because gift, because he loves us more than we would ever know. And the outcome of this love is that we become more authentically ourselves than we ever could on our own. And introducing other people to God's love is a way to pursue righteousness too. God loves righteousness and justice. The righteous care about justice for the poor, but the wicked have no such concern. And that means desiring to intervene in all unjust situations and take the side of the wronged person. If we love what the Lord loves, then we will be mindful what Jesus said about loving other people, and very much including those that many other people wouldn't love. Okay, so if we understand that God cares about these things, and if we want a life shaped by God and his kingdom, then how do we live differently now to get ready for this future? So as I said, I've got three suggestions. Awareness, listening, and preparation. Bear with me. Okay. So number one, awareness. This is the bit where you go, right, okay, that's great, Lorraine. You've said this stuff. Now, how do I apply this to my life? Right, one, two, three. Number one, awareness that we actually are not very ready. We are very, very distracted. We are very distracted. Um, A few weeks ago, I was teaching um, my year eights at school, and I said to them, If you believe that your actions when you left my classroom would affect your life forever, would you change them? If you truly believe that your behavior, if you behave kindly and you didn't post that TikTok video and you were kind to your brother and you actually did what your mum asked you to do, would there be some like positive consequences for eternity? Would you change your actions? And most of them said, yes, miss, of course. So when we're considering about being ready, well, ready for what? There are people here who do know the freedom of Jesus, and perhaps there are people here who don't don't know the freedom that Jesus brings. The fact that his life shows a different way that is not dictated by the standard of this world. And this is the good news for everyone. So what good news do you need today? Maybe you need a good phone call from the Marsden. Maybe you need a good report from your child's teacher. Maybe you need a good balance when you check your banking app later. Or maybe a good conversation with your ex when you pick up your daughter later on this afternoon. You see, the good news of Jesus is that we can live lightly and freely. We have the freedom in him. We can live a full life. We can be free from the burdens that weigh our heart down. And we have the opportunity to give our worries and our concerns in prayer to God. He longs to listen and he longs to help us. You see, the God of heaven put aside his divinity, his God's stuff, and he decided to become a human being to help us to make a way for us. For me, for you, for us. You see, his life, 
Jesus brings freedom. Now the worries and the burdens, they don't disappear, but he helps us, he walks with us, and he promises us the most precious thing of all, his spirit, his Holy Spirit, today of all days on Pentecost, his Holy Spirit to help us along the way, filling us, filling us so full that the pain and the darkness spill out and spill away. <clears throat> if we look to Jesus, his grace and his love, he longs to bless us and enable us to become full but yet light and no longer weighed down by the troubles and the burdens of this world. And this can happen again and again and again and again. When we become aware, it kind of has like the air of wisdom to it. So wisdom, um, in, sorry, the wise bridesmaids were the ones who had their oil, oil refills in case the bridegroom was ages, because they didn't know how long he was going to take, because the route sometimes changed through the town. And we can learn from this that wisdom is very practical. Just like in the wise and the foolish builders in Matthew 7, all the bridesmaids were waiting, but only some of them acted wisely. Their overwhelming priority was the impending visit of the bridegroom. So what are, our, what are our overwhelming priorities this morning? If we lack wisdom, then we should ask. If we don't understand something, we should ask and speak to somebody who's been there, done that. Maybe you've got an important decision coming up, relationships, money. Be assured, when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide us into all truth. And Jesus said that before the Spirit came. The Spirit, has, the Spirit is here. The Spirit has come. When he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide us into all truth. Okay, so being aware. Secondly, listening. Listening to the Lord, his counsel. Now, we moved house when I was five, and I was one of those kids who, my mum's here, she'll confirm this, went basically at 100 miles an hour and like, kind of like listened later. Um, I didn't stop to listen, um, and we went to view our house that mum still lives in, um, and I must have been the estate agent's worst nightmare, because I went running off into the garden, peering into this bush, into that bush, oh look, there's a pond, peering into the pond, look to see, grab that tiny little creature, splash, in the pond I go. Right, so here is a picture of my daughter recently we're thinking of moving house too unfortunately she didn't fall in um, but I wasn't very good at listening to my parents you see I not only fell in the pond once twice but three times before mum and dad eventually filled in the pond so in order to be ready I kind of get it now we need to listen listen to the wisdom that is before us Jesus demonstrated an extraordinary ability to listen perhaps quietly early in the morning. Um, he um, was working in an, in this, around the Sea of Galilee, which was about 90 miles from where he ended up at the end of his life in Jerusalem. So I'm sure there were lots of opportunities for a good long walk. Um, and we can talk to God anywhere, whenever, wherever. Maybe long walks are your thing, they are not mine, but we can listen to God wherever. But I do think it's really hard to listen it is the hardest thing that God calls us to do, to not speak. My job as a teacher, my job is talking. I am not so good at listening, but I'm learning. And I've discovered that taking time in prayer definitely changes my perspective. So we're thinking about changing from living for the now without thinking about the consequences to living fully now. I think there's a slide. 
to living fully now because Jesus said himself, blessed are those who hear the word and then obey it. So if you're going to hear something, then you need to listen. So remember, listen, don't fall in the pond. God's view is not the same as our view. God wants us to pursue righteousness. And this is a very practical thing. So perhaps as you're listening, you're like, oh yeah, okay, maybe, maybe God's like nudging me to like join the food bank rotor or lighthouse rotor once a month. And in his love and his grace, he meets us just because through his Holy Spirit. Now the problem is, maybe you're like me and, and I behave a bit like a child and with what Rocky in Paw Patrol says to Ryder is way more important than listening to your mum. Or maybe for some people watching the best goals of the Premier League this season is way more important priority at that moment. But I have little interest in Paw Patrol and sorry, I have little interest in football. But what are our distractions that take our focus off of listening to God? And then thirdly and finally, we are to be prepared in our minds and our bodies. So we become aware of our distractions. We have set our heart on listening. How do we get prepared? Now, my dad was rather excellent at this. He was so very well prepared when it came to putting up shelves and things like that. He would have his tools out and he'd have a little plan of what he was going to do with a piece of paper and then a pencil just in case the plans changed. And 99.9% .9 of the time, his DIY was awesome and it lasted years. Now, DIY is not the strong point in our house. We are more go with the flow. I'm sure you'd know who'd rather have put a shelf up. Uh, and I find the preparation bit kind of tough. But for us to live fully and not be surprised by the difficult things that come our way. Like in 1 Peter, it talks about preparing our minds for action, like training your mind on Jesus so we can be ready. Life brings difficulties, ill health, troubles for our children, job loss, depression. The world we inhabit is a broken place. And sometimes it seems like the kingdom has come in all its fullness. And sometimes it seems like the kingdom of God is nowhere near. But take heart. Because when we pray, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done. We are part of that. We are part of the answer. If we wish to see the kingdom in all its fullness coming then we are to be equipped and to help others be equipped too. You see, each bridesmaid made their choice. The wise ones were physically ready and they were prepared and the others were not. Nobody else can make the decision for us. We are each responsible for our own choices. And they made theirs and those wise ones followed the bridegroom into the wedding feast and the others missed out. So as we wind up, let's think about this preparation practically. Now, my friend sent me this hilarious video of her unpacking her brownie pouch um, uh, that she found from the 1980s. We'd had a chat about the, the uniform and how hideous it was in the 80s. And she was unpacking the contents of her brownie pouch. And she found all these important things in there. Now, I was never the best brownie, but it turns out she was a really good brownie. Um, we have to think through our plans before we put them in place. Uh, but once we've decided... Maybe we should just get on with it. 
Here's a picture of John Franklin. He was the assistant pastor here at Sutton Vineyard quite a few years ago now, and this was taken in Sri Lanka by my wonderful husband. The first picture is a clip from um, a video where he was basically showing off his T-shirt, as you can see from the, um, there, it says, do more than just watch. And then the second video was when Dave caught him just standing around basically doing nothing. <laughs> You see, when Jesus arrived properly on the scene, he started his ministry, his work, he set out what he was going to set out to do. He he told people what he was going to do. He said in Luke chapter 4, he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, the blind will will see, and the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. And then he got on with it. So here's the plan. Pray for the sick. Give to the poor. Seek justice. Love mercy. Listen to the lonely. Teach wisdom. Love practically. And comfort those in need. Jesus taught us to be overtly generous. Looking out for the poor. And seeking justice. I've come to terms with the fact that I am a white, middle-aged, middle-class woman. Surely I should use my white privilege to help people who are not treated like that. Jesus calls us to live in communion, in harmony, and solidarity with one another. Just like this wonderful South African philosophy of Ubuntu, I am a person through other people. My humanity is tied to yours. So how about we embody this in the kingdom, helping repair damage to people's lives, those who are broken, widows, refugees, young mums. Be outward looking, volunteer for car parking, even if it's raining. Serve, give, volunteer at Lighthouse or the food bank. Support those people who are victims of domestic violence. I always thought that the parable the bridesmaids had kind of the potential to make me feel a bit guilty. The five bridesmaids who weren't prepared, they were foolish, they were excluded from the kingdom. But you know what? Making us feel guilty and fearful is not Jesus' goal here at all. Let us open our eyes. Let us be awakened to the fact and realize how we are living. Let us be aware of the future now and then we can live life to the full and part of that is appreciating that every day God blesses us with so many good gifts because his choice is to bless us because he loves us so actually this morning I'm declaring that life this and the next is lived to the full it's like an adventure with Jesus don't get spun out on the busyness of life Perhaps let's just take a moment and um, invite you to think about the number one priority that I mentioned earlier on. What is it that's consuming your mind right now? Is it in line with Jesus' priorities? It really is a challenge to listen to the wise counsel of the Lord, but it could be that you have um, hopefully uh, wise friends around you to listen to or loved ones who will help you listen to what the Lord is saying. Or maybe in your own prayer time, seeking him and hearing him. This is what brings us life. Not those clever distractions. So let's decide on our plan and get ready and get going. 
You see, Jesus said, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. And my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. In other words, Jesus has come and he has come to give us life to the full. So let's listen to what God wants to do in us in our daily lives and take time to do that. So I'm going to pray. So I'd invite you to stand and I'd invite the band to come back. Thank you, worship team. So I'm going to pray for us and then Steve will be back to lead on communion and explain that part of the service. Okay, so this is a prayer from Julian of Norwich. In the 14th century, she was miraculously healed at uh, age 30 from certain death. And she spent the rest of her days meditating on her visions in almost complete solitude. Lord, let not our souls be busy inns that have no room for thee or thine, but quiet homes of prayer and praise where you may find fit company, where the needful cares of life are wisely ordered and put away, and wide, sweet spaces kept for thee, where holy thoughts pass up and down, and fervent longings watch and wait thy coming. Amen.